sacrifice. Oh, I did it for the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Turnbuckle Training. Introducing first your longtime fan, short time podcaster, and former fantasy wrestling hardcore champion, Peyton. He's not clickbait, Green. And his tag team partner making his debut in the wacky world of fighting fools, Zach. Also, I was going to use that one, Barlow. Ah, uh, come on! You're not creative enough to come up with another one. Not that fast, man. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna be not clickbait, but then you were not clickbait. Now it's, I'm it's improv, my guy. Um, I here's the thing: I can get past the zip zap, but the zop it always gets me. You know, it's it's maybe maybe you don't need to improv. Maybe you need to improve. Maybe I do. This is a show for longtime wrestling fans and rookies alike. We're going to take you through some of the biggest shows, matches, and rivalries in wrestling history, or at least whatever comes to mind for me on this day. And if you know nothing about wrestling, don't worry. Calm down, because I don't either. And uh, so, Peyton, what are, what are you going to be teaching the class today? Well, in today's lesson, uh, we're going to be kind of... Taking a bit of a wrestling renaissance, going back to a simpler time with a modern twist, if you will. Uh, the uh, This is like kind of, we're in a, a, an era where it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, probably one of the first times since like the early 2000s where wrestling really was great. Uh, because we have WWE, which is what it is. Um, but we also have AEW coming on, uh, a, a major competitor on television to the WWE. And we also have the return of the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, uh, which for a long time was the wrestling promotion in the whole country. Uh, hence the name, National Wrestling Alliance. It literally was a collection of all the different wrestling territories throughout the country. Uh, it was founded ba- all the way back in 1948, so over 70 years of uh, history with this company. And in the 50s and 60s, we started to see a decline in the territory system. So basically how it would work is that they would have a National Wrestling Alliance world champion, and they would travel to all the different territories and compete with that territory's top guy. So it would be like the Southern Territory, the Northeast Territory, the Texas Territory. So it was kind of a way to, you know, get all these different places established. But it was kind of weird when you have basically one governing body for all of wrestling in the entire country because these places wanted to be independent. Think of the NWA as, like, Britain. And everyone else as, like, you know, America and basically every other country on Earth. Okay. Um, And so they started moving away from that. Promoters started creating their own promotions, like... uh, Vince McMahon breaking off and becoming the WWF at the time. 
and uh, you had Eastern Championship Wrestling breaking off and becoming Extreme Championship Wrestling. Uh, so basically every promotion that's existed has some sort of tie to the NWA. TNA used to use the NWA championships for a while when they were first starting out. Um, and then the NWA, and they kind of mentioned this, they call it going from a punchline to a headline because the NWA kind of became nothing after a while. It was irrelevant when you had all these other big companies. Uh, they still, you know, kept their titles and, and maintained their lineage in different smaller territories. Occasionally, the NWA champion would pop up on Ring of Honor or something like that. Uh, but in a couple years ago, uh, in 2017, Smashing Pumpkins lead singer Billy Corgan uh, decided to purchase the NWA, including all of their rights, trademarks, and titles, uh, and he decided to try to bring back classic old-school-style wrestling to a modern audience, and they started, you know, putting on some shows, doing some pay-per-views, doing some partnerships with Ring of Honor and CZW and other companies, and eventually they decided to start their own show, uh, now airing on YouTube as NWA Power with three R's, uh, that kind of blends a lot of the old school style of wrestling with some kind of old school storytelling and presentation with, with more modern uh, styles of in-ring performance. Yeah, and it is uh, really something to behold, in my opinion. You know, I, I always make fun of Billy Corgan for being in wrestling, but I can't anymore. He's he's proven me wrong time and time again. I know. it's It seems like it should definitely be a joke, but it's also, you know, not. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I don't know how he does it so well, but he does it really well. I guess the guy just really likes wrestling and probably doesn't come from a wrestling back background, so I guess maybe he approaches it more as a fan would. Yeah, has a, has a fresh pair of eyes on it. For sure. Um, let's talk about some of the stuff that, you know, kind of makes NWA Power different. First of all, it's, it's an hour-long show on YouTube. Uh, they went and filmed all these kind of over a couple of weekends – uh, inside a studio, which is kind of how wrestling shows used to be. They were filmed inside a studio. The commentators would go talk to the wrestlers and do interviews, and then they'd go jump in the ring and have a match. So this show, I can't really put my finger on what I like about it so much, but I, I, I think the best thing I could say is that it's it's very simple, uh, but in a, in a good way that makes it really easy to just jump right in and watch. Would yes. You, would you agree with that? I absolutely would. And I think that if anyone is looking for a weekly wrestling show to pick up with all the options out there, um, I think this is definitely a good one to consider. Uh, I, I'm probably going to be picking it up myself. Uh, talk to me about, like, as you, as, like, someone who doesn't have a wrestling background or, like, didn't grow up watching wrestling, what about it was, like, really uh, interesting to you? I mean, I really love the, honestly, like, the studio setting makes it a, like, smaller, more intimate sort of show. And something about that lends it a lot of charm. And I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but kind of like the retro style 
um, with this this you know studio audience watching wrestling is just really cool to me. Um, it ma- it makes me feel nostalgic about something I wasn't even alive to be nostalgic about. Yes, same. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, and also like all of their talent is really good. Um, everyone can like operate a microphone properly and speak into it, which is obviously a huge plus. And um. You know, like, I don't know, they've got a lot of personality, a lot of charisma. They've got a lot of things that I think where your more traditional wrestling companies, like Vince McMahon is just like, big dude, he's in. You know, I feel like here you have guys that are more well-rounded. And I really do like uh, how there's a big focus on promos and mic skills, which feels weird to talk about as a wrestling fan because usually you you – there was a time in my life where I was like, oh, all that talking is bullshit. I want to see the fighting and the, the wrestling. But I think they do their promos and storytelling in a way that feels – it doesn't feel like WWE where we're doing crazy off-the-wall storylines. It's just guys talking but in a way that makes you care about the story. Like I – like. I don't know why I cared a whole lot about this 53-year-old man that I never knew before until now just because of the promos. Yeah, yeah. Um, I absolutely agree. Like, they really did a great job with the storytelling here. Um, It's fantastic. And it's one of those things that I've always wondered, you know, how do you start a new weekly wrestling show? Because you have no—no one knows any of your people— you have no established storylines. Like, how do you do it? Where do you pull from? And I think that they show us here exactly how it's done. And a, a studio wrestling format is a good way to do that because you can introduce characters, um, and we can immediately know who they are, what their motivations are, that kind of stuff. Um, I think they did do a little bit of build up, like they had some of their guys appear on Ring of Honor, and they did some other shows before. And I think they did some YouTube stuff, but. Really, if this is your first time watching anything like this, you're not really lost. Like I didn't feel like I didn't like I didn't know what was going on. Even and, and at the same time, it doesn't start like they don't start the show like from like square one, like where they have to do all this explanation for who is who. So they are able to really tread a middle ground for like people who do know all these guys and know exactly what's going on, and for people who are just who are just joining us and have no idea who these people are. Right, right. Um, so uh, why don't we go ahead and, uh, and jump right into it. Um, the very first episode of Power, uh, start with a nice little opening montage. It's really nostalgic. We, you know, talk about the history of this company and everything. Uh, we see some of the NWA wrestlers competing in the indies. Uh, and of course, the first voice we hear is none other than Joe Galley, uh, who is a good friend of mine and one of my coworkers uh, at my TV station. So I kind of feel really excited that I know a wrestling commentator, an actual wrestling commentator. Um, and he's right alongside Jim Cornette, who is a legend in the business as a manager, as a as a commentator. Um, it, I, I, I'm, you know, you and I didn't talk about this, and so you probably don't. I'm probably blindsiding you with this information. Probably should have told you this before we started the show. 
I will just go ahead and, and kind of give a disclaimer is that Jim Cornette does carry a lot of baggage with him, and I think if this company is going to go any further, maybe they should cut Jim Cornette loose. Because um, he said some, some stuff in the past that's a little bit sexist and homophobic uh, on his podcast, so... Oh, yikes. Um, you know, uh, he's kind of a hot take kind of guy. Um, but... I just wanted to throw that out there because I know that's something that turn, uh, made a lot of fans go, uh, I don't know if I want to tune into this. Well, but. the good news is is that it's like, I would say, like 65% Joe. So, you know. Um, yeah. And he does a great job, and he's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Jo- Joe's really good. He's a friend of mine. Uh, and, and, and kind of really cool for him being someone who – doesn't have a huge background in wrestling to be sitting alongside someone who does and and be on a part of this this big deal while also having a full-time job as a journalist so and next week uh, you can hear all about that in our interview with him yeah we're gonna be talking to joe galley uh about this whole show how he got involved uh, a little special episode for you and he's got a little bit of a of a of a tease of what's ahead in the future of NWI power. So make sure you check that one out. Um, Cornette gets to talk about the history of studio wrestling, how it's coming back, which is something from what I've heard from a lot of people, they kind of like, you know, balked at is like, what studio wrestling? That sounds so corny and campy, but I think it really works for what they're doing here. Yeah, no. And it's weirdly like less, you know, when we talk about corniness and campiness, I think that it's, it's like, there's something about it that's less, um, it's more heartfelt, but it's less like hokey. And I don't know, again, I don't know exactly where that factor is coming from. It's something that Billy Corgan has, has made sure comes through this strange mixture of his, this, this brew that he is making for you. This, this wrestling cocktail, if you will. Um, they're going to toss over to Dave Marquez, who's the interviewer here. Uh, he's going to be talking to NWA world champion, Nick Aldis and his valet Camille. Uh, he's brags about being champion for almost a year. It talks about the whole punchline from a headline NWA thing. Uh, and he does a really cool job of putting over the other champions in the company. Uh, James Storm, the tag champions, the women's champion, uh, so a really good way to kind of kick off the show uh, with him. But yeah, again, that, that interview segment is, uh, I think, really helps tell the story they're trying to tell here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I think that this guy does a really, I mean, he does a really good job. But just looking at him, you're like, okay, for a fresh company, you know, we're going to need to do something with, with him. Are you, you're not a fan of Nick Aldis as the champion? Uh, no, not Nick Aldis. I'm talking about uh, Mr. Storm. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. I was talking about Nick Aldis. Oh, I apologize. Uh, Tim Storm is going to be his opponent, and basically the, the big storyline into this is that Nick Aldis and – or Tim Storm used to be the champion and uh, lost the title to Nick Aldis, and uh, Nick Aldis says he's going to let – Tim Storm challenge for the title, but if he loses, he can't challenge for it again. So, 
an easy way to create an interesting storyline on day one. Uh, you don't really need a lot of explanation for you know anything. I can you can tell me that and I can buy into it immediately. Uh, and he has the look of a guy who's like you know he's an older guy, but he looks like he could be a champion, and he you know is is trying to get that one last victory. It's kind of like uh kind of like Rocky. Yeah, Balboa. The one where he's an old man. Yeah, the one everyone loved where he's an old man. Yeah, that one wasn't that bad compared <laughs> to some of the other ones. Uh, so we're going to go right to our first match. Uh, you know, they don't do entrances or anything, but honestly, in a way, I kind of like it. Uh, we can get right into the match. Yeah, and when your show is an hour long, like, you don't really have the time. And they spend yep. that time that they would be spending on long entrance sequences on a lot of interviews with the wrestlers and uh, a lot of segments that work really well. I, I, a big complaint people had about this show was that the matches, other than the, the main event, are all really short. And I get that. Uh, but again, it is an hour-long show. And I think all of the matches, even when they were short, they still served a purpose. Uh, like, for instance, this first match, we have the Dawson's versus uh, Sal Renaro and Billy Buck uh, that goes by really fast. But it does establish, hey, here's the Dawson's. They're these huge monsters that are, that are, that are running through people uh, and are dominant. Right, uh, right. And, yeah, they, they smash those dudes up in, like, two seconds. But I do think that – okay, one thing with a lot of the wrestling on the show is that it is very fast-paced and the matches go pretty quick. But I'm not against that because I am someone whose attention gets lost very, very easily. And so well, uh, I and, prefer short, good wrestling to long, bad wrestling. And the thing is, is a lot of wrestling now has become every match is a marathon. And it cheapens the matches that are long and are really good. You know what I'm saying? Because if it's like two guys, because if you if two guys go 20 minutes on a match, you want it to be like really good and to really mean something. But if every match does that, then it means that the the big match doesn't mean as much. Right, right. Um, and again, they're they're sacrificing longer matches for more storytelling. And I think on your first episode, especially with the kind of show that this is, you kind of have to do that. And that and. You know, I think longer matches are for your pay-per-views, which is is just like blow-offs to feuds and matches only. When you're trying to establish stars and put over talent, you don't have to have long TV matches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Marquez interviews the Dawsons, and they say the crowd has just gotten a taste of what they're all about. Uh, we have this funny commercial for a wrestling school that I thought was a gimmick at first. I thought this was some guy's gimmick. I did too. I absolutely did as well. But it is 100% an actual advertisement for an actual wrestling school. Um, yeah, which is, is interesting. Um, this next interview, uh, Joe Galley is going to interview Eli Drake. I really like Eli Drake. I think that his promo skills here are awesome. Uh, absolutely. I think Eli Drake is channeling a lot of The Rock here. Um, yeah. Just in well, style, he he has a very similar kind of uh, way about him. I mean, it, it, channeling not in a way that he is 
you know, copying or, or cheapening, cheapening it, but, like, just, it feels like that's one of his sort of uh, influences. Yeah, Joe actually tries to ask him a question, and Eli Drake cuts him off uh, before he can finish his sentence, and he says it's NWA country. Um, he says everywhere else you've got children who want to be wrestlers, but the NWA has men. Uh, and he's coming for everybody with a belt. So, yeah, I really like his energy and, and, and mic work, so I'm a big fan of Eli Drake. Uh, and so uh, he ends up having a match with Caleb Conley, and this one is short, but they still do let uh, Caleb Conley kind of show his stuff. He actually gets some uh, good moves in, some nice monkey flips, uh, several quick covers. Uh, at one point... He um, he hits like a double foot stomp in the corner and then goes for a springboard corkscrew moonsault, but Eli gets his feet up, and he follows that up with a sort of cradle pile driver kind of move and gets the win there. Uh, so a short match, but I think it, it showed off some more of the athletic, athletic styles that you know people uh, are warming up to kind of in Ring of Honor and AEW and, and promotions like that. I agree. I agree. Um, and I, I think that it was a a pretty strong showing. It's like the first real sort of um, wrestling that we get out of this show. Sure, a little a little taste, a little teaser. Uh, we talk about the background between Nick Aldis and Tim Storm uh, about the whole last chance style match. Uh, when we go back to ringside, Jim Cornette and Joe are talking about, uh, or they say they're going to talk to Tim Storm, uh, but instead they get interrupted by Josephus, which is a great name. Yes, yes. Uh, he is screaming at them to bring out Storm. He's like, I want Storm! And Jim Cornette says, what are you, a meteorologist? <laughs> uh, they actually go to commercial and then come back and he's still walking around yelling. Uh, and James Storm comes out instead, uh, who had a pretty nice career over in TNA. Uh, he is the NWA national champion, which is kind of like their secondary tertiary title. Um, he says, Joe, he says, I'm the only storm you need to worry about. Uh, he says that Josephus is just pretending like he's chuff and could never walk a mile in his shoes. And they start brawling. The referees try to break them up, and the crowd chants, "Let them fight!" Before we go to break again. Um, um, yeah, and I love the the way that they're doing these little like, I don't know, little bits like that. Obviously, they're not anything new to wrestling, but these guys are doing them well because all of their guys can talk on mic, and so you don't get like. I don't know. I feel like in in other wrestling promotions, you get really lackluster performance out of some of those segments, but all of these feel really good. Oh, I agree. Uh, our next match is going to be a tag team match. The Wild Card, who are the tag team champions, but this is uh, not for the titles, against Danny White and Mims. Uh, basically, the Wild Card's backstory is that they were kind of thrown together for a tag team tournament, and they ended up actually working together pretty well. Um, really like their uh, their double team moves here. Uh, yeah, these guys are great, and they're sort of um, oh, what are the what's the team from the Attitude Era that wore the kilts? 
the headbangers. Yeah, they kind of have a headbangers thing going on. Only I think better because I don't really care for the headbangers. But these guys are great. Yeah, no, I, I like them a lot. Uh, uh, they uh, they do a nice double team pop up power bomb followed by a German suplex and get the win. That's when they go talk to Dave Marquez, and he says nobody cares what Marquez thinks. Uh, he uh, he calls them two thoroughbreds. That's when they get interrupted by Eddie Kingston, who just looks like he just walked in from the crowd. Uh, <laughs> but I like Eddie Kingston. He's also really good, you know, a really good talker. He's funny and sarcastic. Yeah, uh, oh, he's in a great. Way that's fun to watch. Um, he says he's here to say the belts look great on them, but that means nothing to him. He says that they don't speak for underdogs or outlaws. And he pushes the table out of the way, and they get up in each other's faces. And that's when Homicide... Uh, I guess uh, Eddie Kingston's tag team partner, uh, who also has a pretty pretty decent career on the indie scene and in TNA, uh, he shows up and they all they uh, they they're about to throw down and that's when James Storm and Josephus show up and they're they're brawling once again. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, no, uh, I really do like this um, introduction to to these guys to. Um... Kingston and Homicide because that uh, that little clip of you don't stand for the underdog, the stray dog, or the outlaws is such a good like soundbite, you know? Yeah, this is a very quotable show for sure. Oh yes. Um, uh, Josephus and James Storm end up getting into the ri- or they're chasing each other around the ring, and the refs are trying to break them up. So eventually, they get in the ring and they start a match. Uh, which ends pretty much immediately when uh, Josephus gets super kicked and James Storm pins him for the three count. Uh, and then James Storm keeps beating him up, hits a couple of knees and a super kick, and then uh, puts Josephus's thumb in his own mouth and puts him down like a little baby. <laughs> uh, he also walks over and says something into Jim Cornette's headset, but I couldn't hear him, so I don't know what he said. Yeah. I assume it was something great. It, it, he walks over and Joe says something about, well, that's right, but it's like, oh, what did he say? We'll never Is it know. right? Who knows? Um, so we're getting another promo for Nick Aldis and Tim Storm. Tim Storm is a teacher and a husband and a grandfather. I want to see him suplex one of those students. I, I bet he does. <laughs> I wonder what he teaches. Uh, apparently Eminem lyrics. What? You didn't notice Tim Storm quoting Eminem? I, I don't. I see that in your notes, but I don't He said, remember. as a great philosopher once said, what if you only had one chance, one shot? Oh, my to, God. Yeah. And that great that great philosopher was one Mr. Marshall Mathers. <laughs> uh, in the words of a great go- philosopher, mob spaghetti. I That's what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> Uh, we go to ringside, and Joe is interviewing Tim Storm. It is kind of weird that they have a guy that's specifically supposed to be an interviewer, but he doesn't actually do the interviews the whole time. <laughs> and Joe actually ends up doing I most of it. I kind of prefer know, Joe just, doing the interviews, though. I mean, I, well, I mean, he is he is a reporter. So. He, I, but okay, here's what I do like about, and we're not just talking Joe up because he's Peyton's friend, and also we did an interview with him. He's genuinely very good at this. 
And if you don't believe us, go watch this first episode of Power, and you'll see that we're right. But he's very good at doing uh, one thing that I think wrestling interview commentary things is always good at is that uh, making Jim the office faces at the camera whenever the wrestlers <laughs> yeah. say something nuts. Yeah, uh, well, the number one thing to acting is reacting, so. There you go. Uh, Joe's interviewing Tim Storm about the match. Storm says he grew up watching NWA as a kid. He talks about his 90-year-old mom and how he's Mama Storm's baby boy. Aww. Yeah, so was she some sort of figure or something? I mean, I I don't know how you would know, um, but... I think think he just loves his mom. Yeah, because the crowd starts chanting Mama Storm. Yeah, I think that's so cute. It's also incredible to believe that this guy has a mom that's still alive. Yeah, I know. Uh, I guess she is 90 years old. He says nothing is more important to him than the title, so let's get right into it. The World Heavyweight Championship, Tim Storm versus Nick Aldis, who's coming out with Camille. Um, The commentators are doing a good job of talking this up. They say, you know, Storm may be older, but he's seasoned, he's a vet. Uh, but Aldis is younger and, and probably better conditioned. Um, and you can kind of see that there's some chemistry between these two guys. They've had some matches before. Uh, this isn't their first rodeo. So uh, so I think this made for a pretty good first main event for, for, their, for their show. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. And just they wove a very good story around it, and they just made they made this feel important. For sure. Uh, yeah, we get you know, kind of the desperation from Tim Storm to win this, or he's not going to be able to challenge again. Um, uh, we go to the outside at one point, and Aldis slams Storm into the turnbuckle post. Uh, we also get some submission, some sleeper holds. Uh, I noticed that you uh, you didn't mind the submissions this time. No. Okay, normally I don't like submissions because I feel like they slow down a match. But here... They do them, like, relatively quickly, and so they don't take up, you know, like, just a ton of time. And also, the way that they're done, the the just expressions on the wrestlers' faces makes it look like they're extremely painful and like they're fighting through, they're not going to give up because both of them want this title so badly. Um, yeah, it's exactly what wrestling's supposed to be. Yes, and that's what a submission should do. It should not make you bored. It should build the tension, and here it does. Uh, yeah, at one point, uh, Nick Aldis tries to lock in a figure four, but Storm rolls him up for a two count. Uh, Storm puts him in a figure four of his own, but Aldis manages to get to the ropes. I like the way they utilize the pinning here, too, because uh, it, it's it's like they're trying to get a quick pinfall over the other one because they're they're— it shows that they're. It makes you feel like they're actually trying to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there is something about this match and the the style of wrestling that they do that I actually kind of am able to suspend my disbelief for a little bit and and think, okay, yeah, these guys are actually trying to to win this 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 athletic competition. Absolutely, and they. I mean. That and that's probably you know another thing is that I've I've mentioned their acting outside the ring as being really great, but they're good in ring actors as well, um, yeah. which is so so important. Uh, Tim Storm hits a big superplex from the top rope, and a move like a superplex that you see pretty often feels like it 
you know, it doesn't feel like a big, big move, but for some reason here, it felt bigger, and I was like, whoa, you know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I had the same reaction. Uh, uh, Tim Storm even goes to the top rope. It's a flying crossbody for a two count. The crowd is chanting perfect storm, which is his finishing move. He goes to the middle rope and tries a swanton bomb, but Aldis moves out of the way. Lots of cool moves from a guy who's in his 50s. Yeah, no, he's really giving it his all. Well, because um, from what Joe told us, uh, I think wasn't Tim Storm was the champion when Corgan bought the company. I believe so, yeah. And so I think that Tim Storm has been waiting for his whole career to have a chance to be on, you know, a weekly TV show to to have that spotlight. And I think he knows that he's not going to necessarily have it for long. But he's going to enjoy it while he's got it, and he's definitely making the most of it. For sure. Uh, the crowd is split. They're chanting, let's go Aldis, let's go Storm. Uh, Nick Aldis is going to hit a top rope elbow drop to Storm's back, start focusing on it, puts him in a clover leaf. This is when the crowd chants, Mama Storm. Uh, and Ed Storm manages to make it to the bottom rope. Uh at this point, Nick Aldis is going to scoop up Tim Storm, but Aldis slips behind him, and, or I guess I should say Storm scoops up Aldis, and Aldis slips behind him and pushes him into the referee. Storm uses that as a distraction to get a low blow and follows up with the perfect Storm, but only gets a two count. Uh, he's going to go to the top rope again, but Aldis follows him up and headbutts him, and they both fall to the floor. Uh, this is when Camille looks like she's going to get involved, but Tim's... Uh, Aldous clotheslines Storm, but Storm ducks, and so Camille gets the clothesline instead. In the ring, Storm's about to hit a suplex, but Aldous reverses it into a roll-up for a three-count, so kind of a, you know, a last-minute, out-of-nowhere kind of win, which, you know, in the WWE, you're seeing guys hit their finishers and, you know, kick out again and again and again. So it is kind of nice to see someone kind of pull out, eke out a win kind of out of nowhere uh, and make it feel like, you know, hey, anything can happen. Yeah, and, you know, it feels like Aldis had this one last burst of energy and he used it just to get that slight edge on Storm and pull the win out. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I I think that it works here. A lot of the time we, we sort of bag on surprise finishes. But, you know, that's one thing with, like, a company starting fresh like this is that you you don't have any of that backlog any of that you're you're things haven't escalated to the point that people are like hitting finishers back and forth on each other and then hitting each other's finishers on each other and you know what i mean like yeah you, you you're still at this point where it can be subtle and it can be um something that's not this gigantic spectacle and it's just yeah. this very intimate match between these two guys that both really want something. And you can tell a simpler story that doesn't involve, you know, like one of the wrestlers having their daughter kidnapped to uh, prove a point to an alcoholic redneck. Like, And I don't always want a huge spectacle. In fact, most of the time I don't really. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing I feel like with like with – a big criticism of Ring of Honor is it feels like every match is this huge, high-flying, jumping-around, flippy-moves kind of spectacle. And sometimes I just want something simple that's about two guys who really want to win. And you have to contrast your big spectacle matches with matches like these so that they do feel special. And that's, you know, I talk about how much I love Attitude Era, and I really do, 
Um, but I think that there's there's room for multiple things to exist in this world, and there's uh, sadly no one's really doing Attitude Era stuff, in my opinion, anymore. Um, but there's definitely room for this retro style uh, studio wrestling to be there and to be absolutely fantastic. Um, the crowd gives these two a standing ovation and chants NWA. Um, after the match, Joe is going to interview Nick Aldis, who says NWA stands for Never Without Authenticity and puts over Storm as authentic as it gets and says that he respects him. Uh, Joe tries to ask about the miscommunication between Aldis and Camille, and, uh, and so he asks Aldis how, or he asks Camille, how do you feel? And Aldis says, she's feeling fine, but Joe says, hey, she could speak for herself. He tries to get her to answer, and she won't, and Aldous keeps answering for her. He gets angry, and he can save his clickbait stuff for later. Um, so I have, uh, I've peeked a little ahead into, into what's going on on NWA, and, and for those of you who have watched NWA Power past this, you probably know much more about it than I do. Is that this is kind of teasing a little bit of an angle with Joe and, uh, with Joe and Nick Aldous. Uh, and I kind of like the character that he's playing as, as trying to be a, a reporter kind of newsman character that's trying to ask tough questions but is uh is uh he's like the nosy reporter character yeah no absolutely and, I like it. and you know i i too have peeked ahead a little bit and watched a little bit more of this because um i'm, I'm really loving it and that storyline is is at least where i'm at heating up a little bit and i'm enjoying it good so uh, overall, what'd you think of, uh, of NWA Power? I loved it, man. Like, and I didn't really—I don't know—I didn't go into it expecting to, because it's so sort of uh, different from my usual taste. But something about it is just really great, and I cannot put my finger on it. Yeah, I, I'll just go back to saying that it's it, it, there's something that's very simple and easy about it. Doesn't feel. Uh, doesn't feel like a, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like a chore to kind of watch it. There are some things that feel like a chore to watch. This feels like I could just sit down and enjoy it and not have to think too much about it and not have to overanalyze it. I can just, it, it's it's easy, it's kind of like, you know, like easy watching or easy listening. And this, the, is, this is what that is. The fact that it's only 50 minutes long means that it leaves me wanting you more rather than leaving me feel like I've just had way too much. And that yeah. is always the feeling you want to get after watching something. Yeah. Uh, so we we definitely highly recommend NWA Power here at Termical Training. Uh, and we'll probably be checking out some more. But if you haven't gotten enough of NWA Power, well, uh, make sure you join in, tune in next week, because we're going to actually get a chance to talk to the voice of the NWA himself, Joe Galley. We want them to look and turn on and, and go, these guys are here for a fight. And they're here to fight, and they're here to win. And I think that that's we, – we, we stray away. We have a lot of – we have some stuff that's kind of fun, and that's going to be coming up in a couple episodes. But for the most part, we want people to watch our show and go, wow, these guys are going at it. These guys are tough. We want tough fighters. Yeah, and, you know, if you – are listening to this now and it interests you definitely go watch at least that first episode on youtube uh before we do the interview so that you can have some context i mean you don't have to i think this episode gives you enough context but you know just uh 
I, I think it would be worth your time. Well, and speaking of time, this is about all we have of that. Uh, so be sure to listen next week to our interview with Joe. Coming down the pipeline, oh, yeah, it's uh, it's Thanksgiving. Uh, our next episode will be coming out Gooker, on Thanksgiving. Gooker, Gooker, so we're going to be talking Gooker, about Survivor Series 1990, Gooker, Gooker. the debut of Zach's favorite wrestler of all time, the Gobbledy Gooker. Woo! And don't forget, you can follow along with us at Turnbuckle Train on Twitter. And uh, give us a shout-out. Follow us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And continue to support us here at Turnbuckle Training because we're going to have lots of good stuff coming up soon. Thanks for listening. It's me, Austin! The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you and sacrifice. Son of a bitch! I did it for the ride. Get ready for the bonkerest event of the summer. A Three Big Dudes production. Starring me, professional toe sucker. No, we won't talk about that, but we will talk about Waluigi, Dog with a Blog, the similarities between Alf and Cousin Skeeter, and of course, the Slithler. It's Feud Fight, where we take the wild questions most people won't touch and give our scalding hot takes. And I also say terrible things that could loosely be considered word crimes, just to keep things a little spicy. Every Monday, wherever you find your podcasts.